Hello, and welcome to the podcast that helps you win the race Christ has marked out for you. Your race is a personalized one, perfectly designed for you, just as mine is. But it is a course that has steep climbs, dark valleys, and thorny paths. Staying on that path means enduring endless frustrations, disheartening setbacks, and at times, a life that throbs with pain. Words from the movie The Princess Bride come to mind. Life is pain, your highness. Anyone who says differently is selling you something. This episode helps men understand how painful trials accomplish Christ's mission for us. This understanding doesn't make them hurt less, but does empower us to endure the pain, even the minor pain, of everyday frustrations well. Thanks for joining us today for session number one, episode number 31 of Mission Focused Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle. Many of our podcast listeners know Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. By faith, we claim that verse during difficult times, but we miss tremendous power to cope well with the trials that God ordains for us if we stop reading Romans 8 at verse 28. It is verse 29 that tells us what God's purpose for us is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God's purpose is that we become Christ-like, not just saved. Last week, we observed that our mission is first to love and enjoy God. We are called to Christ. The second part of our mission is that we are called to be like Christ, to become transformed, to be like Christ in our heart attitudes. Let's dig into these two verses from Romans 8 to find wisdom and strength for our mission. We're going to make four observations. First, the project to conform us to the likeness of Christ is God's project, not ours. It is God in this verse, who causes all things to work together for good. God's sovereignty is further emphasized in verse 30, the next verse, after 29. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It is God who predestines, God who calls, God who justifies, God who glorifies. We are his workmanship. Some of us grew up acknowledging this truth when we sang the old hymn in the King James language that goes, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Well, he is the potter and we are the clay. But quite honestly, part of the problem with trials and difficulties is that we are not yielded, and still. And we don't want God's way. We want our way. We don't want to yield to the sculptor's chisel because the trials that build our character hurt. By nature, we want our own way. Nobody else's, even God's. Is it possible that 
You've been forgetting that you're not your own? I sometimes do. But we were bought with the precious blood of Christ. Is it possible that you need to stop squirming and complaining and resisting the master craftsman at work in your life and yield to him as one who is quiet and still? I need to hear that message myself. The second insight we find in this text is that God's plan is total, not partial. In all things, God works for the good. God is sovereign over every single detail of our lives. One theologian writes, There is no will or act of creatures, men, angels, or demons that can do other than work for our good. There is no phenomenon of nature, fire, flood, storm, earthquake, that can work us ultimate ill. The law of gravity cannot trip us up or have anything fall on us unless it has first been sifted through the will of God and his purpose for our good. Every experience of our individual circumstances, whatever concerns us, humbles us, or forces us to rely on him who alone can satisfy all things work together for good. Otherwise, the Lord would not permit them. Wow, that word all means all. This sovereignty of God includes the way he created each of us through bringing together the unique combination of DNA from our mother and father to give us the abilities, the lack of abilities, looks, intelligence, personality that we have. It includes placement in our specific family of origin and the wounds to our hearts that resulted from the dysfunction in our home growing up. It includes the mistakes we've made. Even if it was a mistake, God let us go ahead and make it. And if we're yielded to him at a later date, he will weave that decision into his good purpose for our lives. All things means all things. The third truth that empowers us when we hurt is this. God's intent in our suffering is good, not evil. In all things, God works for the good of those who love God. Every bad thing that comes into our lives, be it pain, rejection, grief, sickness, injustice, frustration, God promises to turn to his good purposes. It is as if someone lunges at you with a dagger to harm you, but God, the master surgeon, redirects that blade with laser precision right where he wants it to do surgery on your heart so that you be conformed to the image of Christ. You see, what makes God so great is not only that he is so good that he cannot do evil, he is so good that he turns evil into good. The most heinous crime ever committed was the betrayal and murder of a perfect human being, Jesus Christ. Yet this greatest sin was what God used to accomplish the greatest blessing that has ever come to mankind, redemption through Christ's death on the cross. The intent of Judas and the Sanhedrin was evil. God's intent was good. Whatever comes, whether it is just frustration of our goals or creates heart-crushing grief, God has ordained for his good ultimate purpose. 
Paul makes it clear that it can be seen as good only by those who love him and are called to his purpose. The fourth truth that helps us have wisdom and strength when we face trials is this, knowing that God's purpose is transforming our character, not helping us escape pain. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. One of the biggest differences between God and us is that we focus on the immediate. He focuses on the ultimate. To be honest, it's hard to focus on the future when it hurts so much right now. I am grateful that God understands this difficulty for us as humans. In his word, he acknowledges, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Suffering doesn't feel good in the present. What football player loves running hills or wind sprints? Not until October, when the defense is trying to protect a two-point lead in the fourth quarter, is he glad for his conditioning. Do you know any troops who loved boot camp? The value of the pain that was part of discipline training isn't usually seen until real combat begins. Our God is a superb coach. His focus is the day when Jesus Christ will be revealed, when Jesus will place a victor's crown on our heads, and we will then put it at his feet. It is a day that will continue into eternity. I believe that in some way, the degree to which we have been transformed to have Christ-like attitudes will determine our joy in eternity. It will be the joy of having honored Christ with our heart attitudes, but perhaps in some way it will be the joy of seeing Christ's glory more clearly. Perhaps the more we have learned to hate evil, the more Christ's righteousness will fill us with joy. Perhaps the more we learn to love those who don't deserve our love, the more our hearts will delight eternally in Christ's love for us, we who hate God apart from his grace. Romans 8, 28 and 29 is just one of many verses in Scripture that reveal God's purpose to make us Christ-like. For example, the result of the Holy Spirit's work in us in Galatians 5 is changing our heart attitudes from evil ones like sexual impurity, idolatry, jealousy, envy, to righteous ones like love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, and so forth. Peter tells us, be holy because God is holy. That's his way of focusing on character. The Hebrews text above tells us that painful experiences yield the fruit of righteousness. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There are many more similar texts. I labor this point for two reasons. First, there is widespread confusion over the word righteous. To distinguish Christianity from the false teaching of Jewish leaders, Paul argued that salvation is through faith alone and not by keeping the law. Paul used the word righteous to refer to justification, being declared righteous by God the judge, the righteousness of Christ being imputed to us. 
To some theologically inclined folks, calling believers to seek righteousness sounds like it is promoting works salvation or legalism. But righteousness is also used in the New Testament for godly character. And the chief New Testament theologian who calls believers to seek righteousness was named Jesus. He taught us in Matthew 6.33 that our top priority, as we saw, was to seek righteousness in our own lives and throughout culture, which means, by the way, standing up against racism and against the destruction of property. Jesus taught in the fourth beatitude that one of the eight foundational heart attitudes that his followers to embrace was to hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is not talking about being justified, but righteousness of character. The second reason I labor the point that Christians are to seek righteousness of character is this. Knowing that becoming Christ-like is at the core of God's purpose for us helps us see why God ordained so much pain in our lives. It doesn't necessarily make it hurt less, but hope and emotional energy are kindled when we see a purpose for suffering. God's purpose for his people has always been to set them free from the penalty, power, and presence of sin. That is to make a righteous people for his own possession. This truth is clear many, many places, but it's especially clear in Isaiah 61, the job description of the Messiah. Jesus cited part of it in his hometown synagogue as he launched his ministry. It is a wonderful picture of the gospel. But note that its end point is righteousness of character. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. That's the Hebrew is Messiah, and the Greek is Christos, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Here are three steps to respond to trials and pain. First, process the pain with Jesus by pouring your heart out to him. He is your high priest who does understand and feel every bit of your pain. Believing God intends your pain for good never means bury it, suck it up, and move on. I am far away from succeeding here, but I'm trying to process my everyday frustrations, my feelings with the Lord because I have been convicted about my complaining attitude. Those frustrations are real, so I'm trying to take them to Jesus but not complain. Step two, identify whether or not you caused this pain to yourself. In a sense, all of us did because our corporate sin in Adam brought all of the suffering of the world into it. But that is not the focus. If your discernment shows that this trial is your own fault, the pain fits the category of reproof. You are reaping what you sowed. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. 
How about Proverbs 12, 1 for bluntness? Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. So here's some examples. If you're angry with the slow driver in front of you, is the real problem that you didn't leave enough time to reach your destination? If you're angry at your kids for their attitude, did you provoke their anger by carelessly speaking words to them that were harsh? Are you failing to experience the fruit of joy because you're worried about some things and need to rest more in the Lord? If you feel the pressure of not having enough money to pay the bills, could it be that you ignored God's prompting not to buy that item you wanted? Step number three in facing trials, try to link your pain to a Christ-like attitude God could be building in you. I've tried to make the biblical case that God's purpose, that is his mission, is to build Christ-like attitudes. But where do we begin? We're so far from being Christ-like. Begin by looking at your trials and pain. Let's look at some examples. A, if God wants to teach you agape love, he might put someone in your life whose behavior you find annoying, put someone in your life who is selfish and not meeting your needs call you to agape love someone who doesn't appreciate all you do, put someone in your life who is flat out hard to love. B, if God wants to teach you godly humility, the first beatitude, he might let you fail, even though you've tried so hard to succeed for him, or put you under so much pressure that you're forced to depend on Christ, or give you some kind of a handicap or weakness so that you have to lean on Christ or show you how wrong some of your decisions have been, though you were so sure that you were right. See, if God wants to teach you to mourn over sin, second beatitude, he might cause you to reap what you've sown, experiencing pain because of your sin, or allow you to hurt your loved ones because of your sin, or allow you to suffer because of others' sin, or allow your loved ones to suffer because of of sin. D, if God wants to teach you meekness, the third beatitude, he might allow your reputation to be unfairly damaged, do something striking to awaken you to your self-centeredness, allow something valuable that belongs to you to be destroyed, or put you in a situation where your personal rights are repeatedly violated. God's ultimate goal in creating us is for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That is why all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. The painful trials of life are the chisel and file in the hand of the master sculptor. He loves us so much that he is all about shaping our inner man into the image of Christ. He wants to gaze into your soul and see his son, Jesus. And he knows that the more he can do that, the greater will be your joy eternally. To summarize this episode, we examined Romans 8, 28, 29 to see how our suffering relates to our mission. We saw that being sculpted to be more like Jesus is God's project, not ours. That his plan to accomplish this masterpiece is total, not partial. That God's purpose is good not evil, that God's goal for us is character, not comfort. As we yield to God's sculpting blade, we saw that yielding is not denying our feelings about pain, 
but processing it with our high priest, examining trials to see if they are the result of reaping what we have sown, and if not, prayerfully trying to link them to godly character qualities God wants to produce in believers. For further prayerful thought, number one, what parts of this episode most stood out to you? Number two, identify maybe three trials or common sources of irritation in your life. Take each one through the three steps listed above and renew your commitment to wanting to show Jesus' character to the world. Next week, we begin a three-part study for the rest of June on fatherhood. We will examine, number one, the father wound, how human hearts are shaped to need a loving father. Number two, how the biblical teaching on fatherhood does not promote patriarchy, as alleged by some. And the third week, the unique parenting role of fathers in Scripture. For further information about our ministry, go to forgingbonds.org. And if this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission to honor Christ with their lives. Music